Uh, welcome to our service. So, so glad that you're here. Uh, when you came, you got a bulletin, got information about our church, you got um, notes that you can follow along. And I wanted to highlight something really, really quick, <clears throat> really, really important, actually. One of the things when I think about our church and when we started the church, um, it wasn't necessarily to escape from the world. You know, it wasn't to, um, to somehow leave the bad world behind and, and hunker down inside this wonderful thing called church. When I think of church and when I think of my church and our church, I think of our city. And I think of the people here, this is our part of our congregation. But when I think of the, the church, I think of the city. And so when I read the newspaper and stuff, when I, when I read good news, I, I cheer. When I, when I look and I see like bad things and, and tragic things, you know, I, I take it personally because this is my city. This is our church. And um, there's a season that, you know, uh, traditionally... Before Easter, there's 40 days is the Lent season. And there's often, you know, a time when where people would pray and fast and, and do things like that. And um, this year, I thought it would be so important for us to really pray and seek God for our city. It's just got to be a constant reminder to all of us that this isn't it. We, we gather here, and this is a huddle. But then we go out and, and we love our city. We want to see God, um, we want to see his love shared and spread throughout our city. You know, when I think of um, the kingdom of God as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, I don't just want to experience that here. I want to experience that wherever I go throughout our city. I love our city. And so um, the missionary church uh, had this, um, this uh, resource. It's called Seek God for the City. And I thought this Lent season, I thought we'd go ahead and we'd do this. We'd join in with a whole bunch of churches. And what this is, is it's a guide. And in your bulletin, you got a little brochure thing explaining it a little. But it's a guide for 40 days. Uh, it gives you some prayer directives and how we can pray for our city. The other cool thing about it is it has things about different areas of the world. And if, you know, you want to do a prayer walk, say you go walking and you exercise um, there's some things you can do as well. We have a whole bunch, not a whole bunch. We have some copies. I didn't know how many people would join in. There's some copies out on the table. They're like three bucks, okay? And I'm saying this. Take one if you're going to do it, okay? But if you're not going to do it, then just leave it for someone else. And what we're asking people is for the next 40 days, starting on Valentine's Day, is that we'd enter a season of praying and fasting. Oh, no, Fasting. Well, you know, there's different types of fasts. So I explained that in here. There's like an absolute fast. Um, I don't recommend that for the 40 days um, because you probably won't live. Um, but then there's also um, solid food. You can do like a juice fast. You can do that. Um, but, you know, for, for most of us, what I would recommend is a partial fast. And what that could be, it could be something like the Daniel fast. Uh, if you're not sure what that is, I, I, there's a reference to that and, and resources um, that you can find about the Daniel fast, or it could be abstaining from certain foods. You can do that. Some people fast, they abstain from different activities. Um, I'm not going to watch television. You know, I, I know someone who says, I'm not going to watch Korean dramas for the next 40 days. And for you, that's not big. For them, that's huge, right? Um, but 
But, so it could be something like that for the next 40 days. But I want to encourage you that to join us and let's seek God for our city. And I believe that God's going to do something incredible on Easter. I think Easter, we're going to see a breakthrough. And then we're going to just continue on as the year goes on. Um, Easter, we're going to have this tremendous testimony by Jed and Amy Tesoro. Uh, they're uh, members at um, uh, Mo- Lugar's Missionary Church. And they have a really great story. Jed's an alumnus of McKinley High School. Uh, he's, a, he's a teacher in the DOE, and he just has a great, they have a great story of how God took them from, and he turned um, their lives into beauty from ashes, you know. And, um, and that's what the resurrection does, you know, that it, it has the power to transform our lives. And so we're really, really expecting God to do some amazing things on Easter. But you know what? Prayer is the battle. And so um, if you want to join in, if you want to use this as a guide, there'll be some out there, all right? But, but join in, you know, it'll be fun, you know. And, and here's the thing. Don't, like, I used to, like, joke around, and it wasn't, I'm still alive, and God didn't punish me, so I'm glad. But, you know, I would say, like, you know, we would go on fast at MGMC, and they say, you know, 40 days fast, and Pastor Cal would say, okay, what are you guys going to fast? And I said, I'm going to fast organ meats, you know, because I don't like organ meats. I don't like liver and all that kind of stuff. You know, I said, I'll fast Korean dramas. You know, No, fast something that means something to you, all right? Okay, I'm going to fast vegetables. No, come on, all right? So think of something. It's got to hurt a little, okay, just a little. It's got to hurt a little bit. But um, there's information here, and then you can follow along here. And then on, on, on uh, Valentine's night, when you go on your special dinner, your romantic dinner, you just have a romantic salad or something like that. That'd be awesome, right? So that's that. I want to encourage you um, to do that. Today we're going to continue our series in the book of John, uh, really answering the question, you know, who is Jesus? And, you know, some of you are going through the study guide. Today's lesson is, um, today's message is from lesson 11. And I just want to encourage you to just keep plowing along, you know. Um, for some of you, you're going to, like, like Dave was saying last week, it might be, oh, this is kind of intense and all that. It really isn't. You know, you just got to get a mindset change. And I promise you that if you would go through and continue on in your study, I think God's going to do something. You're going to know Jesus in a greater, more intimate way. And perhaps, like Dave, if you do this and you go through this, you might end up with a wife. So um, speaking of wife, there's Tammy. <clears throat> All right. Suppose you had a neighbor, right? And, and this neighbor was a young guy. He was a high school senior maybe. And over the years, you know, it just always seems like that dude's always been in trouble. One way or the other, he's been in trouble, trouble at school. You've seen the police over at his house more than one occasion. You know, talk to the mom over the years, and, you know, mom you know, would share, like, yeah, you know, son has a lot of challenges. Um, you know, um, dad left him a long time ago, and um, it's a lot of challenges, you know, kind of bitter. And um, he is now living with the belief that, that no one really cares about him. You know, no one cares about him. And so one day, you know, say you're driving home from work, you get out of your car, and you see him, you know, you see him sitting there in front of his house, and he has this really thoughtful look. And then you just say, hey, hey, and then he looks up to you, he looks up at you, and, and then, you know, he comes over, which is a surprise. You know, he comes over, and he um, asks you a question. 
And he says, you know, I want to ask you something, you know. Um, some people say that what I need to solve all of my problems is to go to church and believe in Jesus. And he says, you know, I, I really don't know why. You know, I don't know why I should do that. I know some of those people who believe in Jesus and doesn't seem to make a whole lot of difference in their lives. You know, how would you answer that guy? How would you answer that young guy who's asking you, you know, who is Jesus? And, and really, what, what, what's, what's so special about Jesus? And, and maybe, you know, you've been wondering that. Maybe you've wondered that, about that. Like, really, what, what makes Jesus so, so special? You've heard about Jesus. You know, you've come to church. Um, you know, we've, we sing songs about Jesus. We sing to Jesus. We pray. Uh, we do that. Um, you know, you've tried to be um, as good a person as you can be, but, you know, nobody's really perfect, right? And you try to do all those things, and maybe you believe in Jesus because your parents kind of expect you to believe in Jesus, or you figured that when you go to church, um, that's what you're kind of supposed to do. You're supposed to believe in Jesus, you know? But, but what is so special? What is really so special about Jesus? What makes Jesus so special? And this morning, we're going to continue our look. We're going to look at this um, encounter that Jesus had, the situation that Jesus had with this woman who was, uh, was caught in sin. And, you know, this, this is one of, this is a really powerful passage for me. Um, whenever I read this, it just reminds me over and over again you know, why Jesus is so special to me? Why he's so special? What makes Jesus so special? And so the, the passage of scripture today is from John chapter 8. And let's pray and let's ask God and let's ask the Holy Spirit to really open our eyes and open our hearts to his word and that we would allow Jesus and we will allow, really allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. All right, let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you. First, we want to thank you for, for giving us your son, that you so loved all of us, that you sent your one and only son, the Lord Jesus, to come and die for us. And we are so grateful, Jesus, for your obedience. That, that, that just, would you just touch our hearts, that we would want to know you more, that we would want to love you more. That the more we know about you, the more we want to know. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you live inside of us. And that part of your ministry in our lives is to make the word of God come alive. To, to, to really make the word of God understandable to our hearts. That you would speak to us heart to heart. And would you speak to us this morning from this passage in John. From this encounter that Jesus had with this woman. And that you would so touch our hearts that we would leave this place more in love with Jesus than when we came. That we would have a greater assurance and understanding of why Jesus is so special. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 8 verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. 
A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. He was, as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said in verse 3. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down and again wrote in the dust. Verse 9. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And this story is, isn't just about a woman. And is, it's not just about the sin of adultery. Yeah, this story is about sin, that this woman was caught in the very act of sinning. And also about a man, an unknown man, who was caught as well. But it's also about the sin of the Pharisees, these religious leaders. It was about their sin that instead of trying to help people turn away from this sin, they set up this trap, they used this situation, they maybe even created this situation in order to trap Jesus. And so they had, no, they had no concern for this woman at all. She was just like a pawn in their hands. And, and this is a story about sin. Yeah, it is. But it's also a story about how Jesus responds to the Pharisees, how he responds to this woman and to sin, and really how he ultimately responds to all of us. And this story just gives us this amazing picture of, of why Jesus is so special. And it's this huge lesson uh, for us on how we are to live our lives. So, so what is so special? What is so special about Jesus? How does he see us and respond to us when we sin? Well, the first thing is this. Jesus loves us when it seems like no one else does. Jesus loves us when it seems like no one else does. The Pharisees didn't care about this woman. And they go to Jesus, and the specific words they use um, made it real clear that they were appealing to Jesus. They were appealing to the law, right? They were making a legal claim. And they were, they were bringing this to Jesus to say what he would, to, to, to find out and see what he would say so they could kind of trap him into a situation. And they were very confident because this woman was caught in the very act, all right? And, and yet, they had, they had this evidence, right? There's a woman, they drag her out, and yet there were some problems with their claim. Um, and the first thing was that the law requires that if a person witnesses someone about to sin, about to do something, that compassion requires them to speak up. That they needed to go up to them, and yet none of them did. Yeah, they were just waiting, and finally grabbed her, right? 
grab them. Secondly, the law required that both parties pay the penalty. It wasn't just the woman. It was both parties. But where was the man? He was not even there. They just brought her out. And they singled her out. And that wasn't really in line with the law. And then finally, these witnesses, they bring the woman to Jesus. And they bring her to him. Right? And I don't know if they gave her time to dress or whatever. But they grabbed her. And they come to Jesus, and, he, and they bring this woman to Jesus before this crowd. Now, they could have easily took Jesus on the side, you know, to, to, to somehow protect her modesty in some ways. But they wanted the crowd to be there. They wanted people to be there. And they just didn't care if they were humiliating this woman. Because she didn't matter to them. What mattered to them was, we got Jesus. We got him now. And they had no love and no compassion for this woman. And so how did Jesus respond? He did something really, really different from what the religious leaders would have done. In fact, it was different from anything that anyone had ever seen. The first thing is he didn't argue whether this woman sinned or not. He didn't argue and say, well, did she really? No. She, he never denied that she had sinned. He acknowledged that she had sinned. That this woman, no matter how badly she was being treated, really did commit a sin. And Jesus never denied or overlooked that truth. And even that is so special to me because, you know, these days our society doesn't acknowledge sin for what it is, right? Too often, sin is seen as something that religion arbitrarily kind of imposes upon people. It, it, sin is seen as it's, it's really not based on truth because truth is, is pretty much relative and not absolute. But, but acknowledging sin really is not loving, you know? That it's not something that, that you know, people should do. Maybe that's something for the, for the bad old days or something like that. You know, sin is, is, is really just narrow-minded. It's kind of intolerant. It's mean-spirited. It's bigoted. And so often, sin is redefined. We come up with reasons why what we did really, really wasn't sin. Right? Um, you know, we say things like, yeah, I did that, but you know, everybody else is doing that. And if everybody else is doing that, that really can't be wrong. You know? Or we say, it, it really, you know, yeah, I did that, okay, but there's reasons why. My wife is so unaffectionate and she's, and so you know what, I need to have my needs met. And so I just went out. Or, you know, it really wasn't adultery. Because I don't, I didn't love that person. I love my wife. That was just physical. You know, we kind of redefine things. Or we say, you know, besides, I was, I was kind of drinking a little too much. You know, the pressure at work. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. And sin really isn't seen as really sin. Sin is only sin if, if I think it is but not Jesus. 
but not Jesus. He, he loves this woman, but he never denies. He never denies that she had sinned. Neither did Jesus call out his accusers, you know, or ask, where was the man? Where's the man? Don't come to me without the man. You got to have two of them, you know? He didn't, he didn't call, oh, you know, you should have done this. He never did that, you know? And, and instead, in the midst of their accusations, you know, Jesus kind of stooped down and he was quiet. He didn't say anything at that point. And he just wrote some things under the ground. Bible doesn't say what he wrote. You know, we can speculate, but that's just speculation. You know, he could have wrote, I love Mark. You know, I don't know what he wrote. He would be hangman. I don't know what he was doing, right? But, but he stooped and wrote something in the sand. But the Pharisees were so sure they had Jesus that they just kept demanding and asking, Jesus, what are you doing? Come on. Tell us, right? And, and can, can you imagine, like, you know, like the drama of it all? You know, they're making all this noise. Here's this woman right there, you know, humiliated in front of all these people. And, and they're yelling at Jesus, Jesus, come on, give us an answer. And Jesus is just writing there, you know, doing something. What is he doing? He's just scribbling something in the sand, you know. And, and, and I can imagine that there were some people there who, who was, was kind of hoping Jesus would, would say something that would let this woman off the hook because, because you know, they, they saw themselves in her plight. It wasn't about her, but they was kind of feeling guilty about themselves. And said, I hope Jesus lets them off the hook. Or there was others who were probably like, man, this is a rotten day for me. Yeah, I, yeah this stoner, just do something. You know, I'll grab a stone and they're angry. And there's some people like that, you know, probably, you know. Or there's others, you know, who just was there and they couldn't care less. They were just there, he goes like, what's that crowd, right? There's Niele, right? They were kind of curious about the thing. Oh, what's going on over there? Oh, looky there, look. Half-naked woman, yeah, what's going on, right? What is Jesus doing, right? And just curious. But I doubt that there were many people there who really cared, really cared about this woman. But Jesus responds, in love and care. When no one else was caring about this woman, Jesus responds with love and care. And so finally he looks up. He looks up at the Pharisees and he says, all right, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. That's all he says. He doesn't argue. He doesn't go on. He just says that. And then the Bible says he goes back and I really do love Mark. I don't know what he wrote, right? And he's just writing stuff again. And one by one, the Bible says that the accusers walk away. And in the midst of this accusation, in the midst of the crowd, in the midst of this woman's sin, Jesus stands up for her. Even in her sin, Jesus Stands up for her. And the Bible said that she was still there, standing in the middle of the crowd, humiliated and condemned. And then Jesus literally stands up 
for this woman. And when no one else cared, and no one else loved her, Jesus did. And I just, I, I think about that. And I think, they had her dead to rights. She had sinned. Jesus never denied that. But even in light of what she had done, Jesus didn't condemn her because she mattered to him. And he loved her enough, even in her sin, not to condemn her, but that she would turn from her sin. You see, this woman mattered to God. And the truth is, is that you matter to God. That even in her sin, even in your sin, God doesn't deny that we sin. But even in our sin, we matter to him. Because it's for people like us, people who have sinned, that Jesus came to save, right? And with this huge crowd surrounding this woman, where no one cared about her, Jesus did. In this huge crowd, where no one cared about her, where she was caught in the very act of sin, it didn't matter because Jesus cared for her, that Jesus loved her. And when no one else will love and care for us, Jesus is there and he will stand up for us because he loves us. And how special is that? For me, that's what makes Jesus so special. But not only that, the second thing Jesus does is Jesus forgives. He forgives us when no one else will. Jesus will forgive us when no one else will. After the Pharisees left, the woman was still there, the accusers had left, but that didn't absolve her from her sin, right? Jesus had stood up for her, her accusers had left, but she was still a woman who was caught, and she was still guilty. That didn't change. And Jesus didn't condemn, but he didn't let her off the hook. How did he respond? First, he turns to the woman and ask, where are your accusers? They're all gone. And Jesus says, I'm not accusing you either. I'm not accusing or condemning you either. And remember back in John chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The Pharisees came to accuse and condemn. But Jesus didn't come to condemn. Jesus came to love and to save. And that's what he did. When everyone else sought to accuse and to condemn her, Jesus forgave her. But there's more, and it's very, very important. Jesus says, Jesus forgives her, and then he tells her, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Jesus is not just this bleeding heart, bailing us out whenever we get in trouble. Jesus loves and cares for us so much, too much, to do just that. Because he knows sin messes up our lives. Sin messes up your life. Sin messes up my life. And, and, and Jesus knows this. And, and this woman saw the mess that her sin had got her in. 
And Jesus exhorts her and says, now that you've been forgiven, don't go back to your sinful lifestyle. You have received a great opportunity to move beyond your sin. Yeah, you did sin. Yeah, you deserve to be punished. But you are forgiven. You are given another chance. So go and sin no more. And Jesus said, don't go back. you got a second chance. Make the most of your second chance. And Jesus forgives when no one else will. Jesus cares about so much that he's, he exhorts us. He's just pleased with us. Change your life. And he's saying that. And he didn't say to her, hey, you know what? I did all, I'm standing here for you. I'm doing all this. The least you can do for me is don't sin no more. He didn't say that. He just says, hey, you're forgiven. You know? so now you go, and, and, and for your sake, don't sin no more. It messes up your life. And Jesus forgives when no one else will. Jesus cares for us so much that he wants us to change our lives. And the amazing thing is this. It don't matter what we've done or what we haven't done. It, you might think, man, it's just, I did just the worst thing ever. And Jesus said, I've came to give you a second chance. Yeah, you sinned. But if you would humble yourself, I will forgive you. And then you know what? Make the most of that second chance. And the cool thing about Jesus, and I'm so grateful, God he gives us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. Because he's the God of the second chance. And that's what makes Jesus so, so special to me. That he loves us when no one else will. Cares for us when no one else cares. That he forgives us when no one else will. And then finally, Jesus believes in us when no one else will. Jesus believes in us when no one else will. Jesus forgave this woman, says, hey, don't go and sin no more, all right? Just, you're, you're, you're free, just go, but don't sin no more. Question is, what do you think she did? What do you think she did? What happened to her? Did she continue in her sin? We don't know. We don't know what happened. But I do know this. Jesus didn't put her on probation. Jesus didn't attach a whole bunch of strings. Jesus forgave her and trusted that in light of what just occurred, she would indeed turn her life around. How special is that when someone believes in us? I mean, we all, we all need people to believe in us. We had a district superintendent, and his name was Don Taylor, and, and Don Taylor, um, he saw beyond my lack of experience, my quirkiness, my shortcomings, my immaturity, all the stuff you guys see, and more. And uh, when we started this church, he came to visit. Uh, he had just retired about a half a year before. And we started this church, and he came to visit. And um, he was on his way back home. He, he lived in the, the Pacific Northwest. And... Um, he came and came to our service, and it's kind of nervous, you know, when one of like a, a spiritual father of yours comes and you know he's checking you out, right? 
and uh, you're just hoping you do okay, right? And I'll never forget um, what he said to me that day. There was something so, so special. You know, he said, you know, Mark, you've done a wonderful job. That, that this is a wonderful church. And if I lived here in Hawaii, um, this would be my church and you would be my pastor. Oh, Don Taylor said this. You know, and, and I just said, you know, uh, it's a little too early for you to be drinking, but if this is, you know, this, I, I'm just so, I'm, I'm blessed. And I tell you what, there are days when, when you feel like, man, I don't know. And think, I'm just I'm doing a rotten job here. The Lord brings to mind the words of Don Taylor, right? Because, because we all need someone to believe in us. And here is this woman caught in the act of sin. And Jesus forgives her and exhorts her to, to, to go and sin no more. He tells her, I love you, I care about you, I forgive you, and I believe in you. See, when I read this, when I read this story, whenever I read this story, it reminds me how special Jesus is to me. Because I mess up. I mess up more times than I care to admit. And, and Jesus has me, right? I, I'm busted. I'm guilty. And my sin condemns me. No questions, no ifs, ands, or buts, no rebuttal. But when I go to him and I humbly ask once again for forgiveness, he loves me and he forgives me. And when no one else would love and when no one else would forgive, he does. Then he says, Mark, I believe in you. I believe in you. I came for you. I was on that cross for you. Now, Mark, go and sin no more. Because I believe you can do this. Go at it. That's what makes Jesus so special to me. An old man was a... had been a master sculptor all his, all his life. And he still liked to work with clay, but his eyesight was really poor, and, and his hands shook and were painful from arthritis. But he loved working with clay, and he just continued to work with clay. And then you know, he'd work with the clay, and then he would stand back and look what he's done. And, and he's a, he was a master sculptor, right? He, he, he goes back, he looks, and he goes... Man, that's ugly. That's ugly. That I'll, I'll never, I'm never going to be a master sculptor again. But that night, while he was sleeping, his son, also, he's now a master sculptor himself, would go into the room, look what his, what his father had done, and then with his skilled hands, he would make some adjustments. Just make some adjustments. And in the morning, when his father walked into the room, he'd look at that statue, and he would say, you know, I guess it's not as bad as I thought. And he would work some more, work some more with the clay. 
you know, sometimes we, we, we try to live our lives the best we can. Right? We try to do the best we can. And then when we look back, we go, man, that's ugly. That's ugly. You know, I just messed up. It's ugly. That, that, that I'll, I'll never, I'll never amount to anything. I'll never I'll make a difference. And we tell ourselves, ah, maybe not worth trying. But then here comes Jesus, the master. And he just takes what we've done. He just takes what we've done. And with his grace and with his mercy, he takes what he's done, what we've done, even the ugliest parts of what we've done, and he makes a thing of beauty. He makes a thing of beauty. Isaiah 61 tells us that he makes something beautiful from the ashes of our lives. And so let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning, directly to your heart. That, that Jesus loves you, even in times when it seems like no one else does. And no matter what you've done, that Jesus is there and he forgives you even when no one else will. And when you're all messed up and like just discouraged beyond discouragement, Jesus says, I believe in you. I believe in you that I believe in you, even though no one else, including yourself, don't believe in you. But Jesus says, I believe in you. He, that's what makes Jesus so special. That's what makes Jesus so special. And if you're here today, and you've never experienced what makes Jesus so special, that, that I believe he's calling out to you to find out. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you've read about Jesus. Maybe you've thought about Jesus. But the truth is, Jesus knows about you. Jesus has thought about you. And Jesus is there. That he's there. And he's saying, the Pharisees weren't good enough no matter how good they thought they were. The woman wasn't good enough. And you're not good enough because all of us have sinned. But it doesn't matter because I love you. I will always love you. And I forgive you. And I believe in you. And, and you know, if... Maybe you're at a place where you tried trusting in yourself. I, I do that all the time. That don't work out too well. Or you've trusted in somebody else, and somebody else will always let us down. Maybe today, the day you say, well, you know what? Maybe today's the day I need to reach out and trust Jesus. And I want to encourage you to reach out and experience for yourself if Jesus is as special as the Bible says. Because I know he will show you how special he is. You will experience his love. No matter what you've done, you will experience his forgiveness.
And no matter who you think you are, Jesus says, I believe in you. And in your heart, you're going to have such a joy that the God of this universe says, yeah, I believe in you. And he says all those things, even when he sees us for who we are, we all sin. And that's why Jesus said, that's why I came. I came to save, not to condemn. So we're going to pray. And if you've never, ever made a decision to say, you know, I'm going to trust Jesus as my Savior. Today is that day. Find out for yourself how special Jesus is. Right? Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Just pray in your hearts along with me, all right? Father, I, I've trusted in so many things. I've trusted in myself. I trusted in people. And yet I know that, that I've let myself down. That people have let me down. And today I come to you and I say to you, Jesus, I trust you. I put my faith and my trust in you. That you died for my sins on that cross. I trust you to be my Savior. Father, will you fill me with your love right now? Because I need your love. You know I've messed up. I confess that I've messed up. Come now and forgive me. Thank you that you do. Father, when I look at my life, all I see is ugly. Will you come and whisper in my ear? Tell me that you believe in me. Will you speak to my heart? And even if no one else does, let me hear your voice. Because yeah, I believe in you. I receive you as my Savior. Just come into my life now. In Jesus' name.